0: Welcome, everyone, to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com, Giants reporter. If you feel that extra pep in my step there, that's because week one is here. And that's why this is the let the games begin episode of Breaking Big Blue. What I'm going to do here is I'm going to unload the notebook, give you some uh, little nuggets about what to expect week one. Maybe a surprise left guard. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. Uh, We will go over my favorite over-unders, including the Giants for this season, and uh, we'll have a monster Giants after dark, and then preview the Titans game. Yeah, they play the Tennessee Titans this week with ESPN NFL Nation reporter, Titans reporter, Teron Davenport. Giants are five and a half point underdogs in this game, which seems about right. Uh, The over-under, I think is kind of low. I think this is kind of going to be a high-scoring game, if anything. I it was 42 and a half. If anything, I'm probably going to, I would, I'm not going to, I, I don't bet on the Giants, but I would pound the over of this game. I think the Giants will be able to score points. And I think with their injury concerns on defense, they're going to give up some points in this game. They're going to have trouble stopping Derrick Henry. They're going to get hit with the play. I mean, if you're, if you're Tennessee, you just run, 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 play action, throw at Aaron Robinson, run, 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 play action, throw at Giants CB two, Aaron Robinson. That's the weak spot on the defense, especially when the pass rush at this point is compromised. And what I mean by that is I taped this on Thursday night. So to this point, I mean, Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari haven't practiced in weeks. You know, I saw them, was it Monday, Tuesday? uh, No, Tuesday, Wednesday, we saw them this week. I mean, they did very little. And by very little, I mean, I didn't actually see them run. Okay? So unless they come out Friday and all of a sudden just let loose, which seems silly, but a guy with a calf injury, that's always a tough injury, and a guy with a, a a knee injury, who's the number five overall pick, to just unleash them for the first time on Friday in practice and then play them on Sunday, very short-sighted. So I don't see that really happening. So that means the pass-rushing, edge-rushing core is going to be Jihad Ward, Jihad Ward, sorry, Jahad Ward, O'Shane Zimenez, and uh, Tomon Fox is on the active roster. But you're going to see a lot of Quincy Roche, too coming up from the practice squad. So, not exactly strike fear into the Tennessee Titans. And then you have the middle linebacker dilemma, which we'll get to in a minute. But first, people ask me all the time how is this wide receiver rotation going to play out? Okay. Kenny Galladay, rough summer. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. Rough summer. Like anyone who thinks he's gonna come out and just tear it apart, I'd be really really surprised. Now I'll eat crow if he does. But, you know I sat there all summer and watched. And I'm very careful about overreacting and and seeing one, you know, one bad day or you know, one bad play and trying to overreact in training camp. I mean, I waited. I remember watching Eric Flowers. And I waited all summer to be like yo, this did not get any better. And I you know, shot the video, some videos of him to friends and people I trust that know more football than I do. And I did the same with Kenny Galladay. And there's concerns with the way he's running. So for him to just turn it on, I don't think is, you know, and be like the Kenny Galladay, everyone thought they were signing. Unrealistic. Now, can he be an average receiver? Yeah, I think that's possible. I don't think that's un- un- possible, un- like impossible. Like, over, under, I think is probably... Three touchdown receptions this year. That's the number that I would have. I would say he he's going to catch three touchdown passes. Not a big number, for sure. Not what you're expecting for $18 million, but And he's going to play. Kenny Galladay has taken snaps on the outside, but I, on the other side from Kenny Galladay, I don't think people realize this. People think, uh, oh, Kadarius Toney, he's he's uh, on the shorter side. He's just going to be, uh, he's another slot guy. No, Kadarius Toney, I think, is looked at as an outside receiver at times. A good chunk. Like, he spent a lot of the summer opposite Galladay on the other side. Sterling Shepard, same thing. Those guys are guys the Giants believe they could play outside. doesn't mean they're not going to play in the slot. They will. They're going to move around. Everyone's going to be moving around. Wandale Robinson, I see him getting probably the most slot snaps. But those three guys, Robinson, Tony, and Shepard, and Shepard's going to play. He told me this week he's ready to go. Amazing. You know what? Less than eight months after he tears his Achilles, he's back. This is the, the, just the new age, these guys, and technology, and so advanced, amazing. So between Shepard, who I think might start at the outside, I think they might make Darius Tony earn his playing time considering how little he's been on the field since this new regime started. Like I, I'm, I'm kind of expecting him to be uh, rotated in here in this opener and then having to prove that he's a guy that they could trust to start play be their primary option and I think ultimately if he was healthy you'd want him to be your primary option I think Sterling Shepard if he's healthy too can also do some serious damage I know everyone's high on Rondell, Rondell Robinson and I like him good quality player I'm not so sure he's gonna sit here and blow up his rookie year in regards to numbers. I'd be surprised if that were the case, considering he's gonna to have to share some of that playing time with these guys. And those guys, quite frankly, are proven players. But that's how I kind of see the wide receiver situation playing out, at least in week one. Left guard, you know, I think Josh Azudu, the third round rookie out of North Carolina, I think there's a really good chance you see Josh Azudu starting. So let me recap the rookies for a second. This is where the Giants are as an organization. First-round pick, Kayvon Thibodeau, he's likely not going to play. But if he, when he does, he's a starter. Evan Neal, seventh pick, he's a starting right tackle. Wandale Robinson, basically the starting slot guy, or at least you know he's in that mix and he's going to play a ton of snaps. So first three guys, all starting. Next, Josh Azudu, also starting. Cordell Flott, no, he's probably even going to be inactive in his first game. Uh, Dane Belton, play a big role. He's coming back from injury, so maybe not yet, but soon, third safety. Uh, Daniel Bellinger, I'm going to call him Cody Bellinger, by the way, at some point. You know, Cody Bellinger, the, the the Dodgers player. Like, I'm going to do that. I, I want to say it every time. Uh, Daniel Bellinger is going to start at tight end. Uh, that's not a great situation, but he's going to start because they really don't have anybody else. And then Michael McFadden, I said I'd mentioned middle linebacker. I don't think he actually ultimately starts. I think that'll probably go to Austin Calitro, sort of the veteran journeyman in place of Blake Martinez. Not ideal. But McFadden's going to play, and he's going to play a big role. So McFadden, big role. Bellinger, big role. Belton, when he comes back, significant role. Azuto, start. Wandale, basically start. Neal, start. Thibodeau, start seven rookies, big rolls or start by week three, if everybody's healthy, think about that seven rookies. That's why, I mean, if I'm that over under for wins this season, I mean, this would be one of my favorites. Seven, man, going over seven, like pushing seven. I could see going over seven for the giants, eight, nine wins, man, they're going to need a lot to pan out for them to go over that number. Now Vegas isn't stupid. Here's the thing. You look at the Giants roster overall and you say, "Our oh, 7 wins, come on. This roster is not going to get 7 wins. The roster from top to bottom is not very good. The depth is a huge huge problem. They're playing, I just mentioned, basically 7 rookies as a plan. Crazy number. Like the roster says, "Oh, under Lockzilla, lock it up. Pound it. No problem." I still, I still would go that way, pretty clearly. I mean, my, my win total, my win projection is six. I'm at six and 11. So I'm on the under of the seven. But the only reason it's even seven is because the schedule is very favorable. At home against Chicago. At home against Houston. At home against Detroit. Two against Washington. One in Seattle. I personally think the Titans, they're in for a big regression. I don't think they're great either. I know they were number one seed. They're better than the Giants. They should be favored. But I don't think it's a completely unwinnable game for them. Other over-unders that kind of caught my eye. First of all, Kayvon Thibodeau has odds to win defensive player of the year, which I thought was a little crazy. I mean, he's not winning defensive player of the year. That's a lot to ask for a rookie. So the fact that he's even on that list is crazy. The Giants don't really have anybody on the MVP list, right? They don't have anybody on the Offensive Player of the Year list. But Kayvon Thibodeau popped up on the list of Defensive Players of the Year that I saw. This is by, you know, Bet AG. So Kayvon Thibodeau at 100-1 to 1 for Defensive Player of the Year kind of... I was like, huh? Really? They even gave him odds? And those aren't even high enough. I mean, that's how big a long shot Kayvon Thibodeau to win Defensive Player of the Year. Especially when he's starting out. Uh, likely missing time. Uh, what I thought was interesting... Brian Dable was the second favorite for coach of the year at nine to one. Again, not great value there, but nine to one, I guess the way they look at it is they say, all right, you know, this team is so bad. If they do go seven and 10, eight, and nine, like Brian Dable will be credited with this huge turnaround. And if the offense is good, then, okay. He could win coach of the year. Not again. Don't love the value. Saquon Barkley, 12 to one for comeback player of the year. Don't mind that. My the, my the best Saquon bet, I think, is 900 and a half rushing yards, which when you look at, okay, it's obviously all contingent on health, right? But if Saquon Barkley stays healthy, I mean, 900 yards is not a lot for a running back these days. So, I mean, let's see, 900 divided by 17 is 53 yards a game. Now, let's say he has to miss two games. So 900 divided by 15, 60 yards a game rushing, which I think is totally doable. I mean, I think this is a better run-blocking offensive line than it is pass-blocking offensive line. I think they're going to be able to run the ball a little bit. I think the offense is going to be centered around Saquon Barkley. He's going to get his touches. So I do like 900 and a half rushing yards for Saquon Barkley. A thousand yards is not a big accomplishment for a running back these days. You stay healthy and you get the ball, you're getting a thousand yards rushing. And if you don't, you play terribly. Uh, so Zizo Jalari at seven and a half sacks. I think that's a big number for him this year. I think that's what he did exactly last year. And now you're talking about starting the year with a calf injury. And I hate calf injuries. I had one once. I popped my calf. It's, it's just something that lingers. I mean, clearly, I'm not a professional athlete. Not even close. But, you know, missing some games and then getting like double-digit sacks, that's going to be tough. It's possible that Aziz gelari isn't back to full strength until week three or four. You can take over seven and a half sacks when you he's not at full strength until week three or four? I don't know about that. Uh, Daniel Jones, uh, 3,750 yards is the over-under number. 23 and a half touchdowns, 12 and a half interceptions. 12 and a half interceptions, that's kind of a big number. He's cut down on his turnovers. There's a the possibility he doesn't. Finished the season as a starting quarterback. So I actually like the interception number. 23 and a half TDs is something I want to say over. I mean, he did better than that as a rookie. Now they added an extra game. But it is a little risky, again, because of the injury side. But I want to say over. I kind of do like that over for him on touchdowns, touchdown passes. You know, he did more than that with Pat Shermer as a rookie. And that was what? He played 12 games? I believe as a rookie. So in 12 games, he threw 24 touchdown passes as a rookie. Do we not think he could do 24 touchdown passes with Brian Dayball? And let's say he plays 15 or 16. I kind of think he could do that. So that's one that I do kind of like giants to win the NFC East eight to one. I don't like the value there at all. I think it would need to be like 20 to one for me to like that bet. Just think there's better teams roster wise in the division. Um, so those are sort of the, the over-unders that caught my eye with the Giants. Uh, I talked about the middle linebacker spot. You're going to see probably Austin Calitro, Micah McFadden, the rookie at Indiana slipped in there in specific packages. Left guard, Josh Zazudu, the wide receiver rotation. Uh, maybe Shepard even start opposite Galladay with Tony coming in. But who knows what formation they start in? Daniel Bellinger, the starting tight end. Not an ideal situation there. So that's where we stand for the Giants. Now, I'll get to your questions in one minute. Um, I'm going to do a a big Giants after dark here. Uh, But first, I want to go over the Tennessee Titans matchup. So we're going to do that in a second here with Teron Davenport. So on to the next one. The Giants opponent is the Tennessee Titans. So who better than to talk to our ESPN NFL nation, Tennessee Titans reporter Teron Davenport Teron, Thanks for doing this, man. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me. It's just, uh, this is kind of like ESPN radio, right? When That's we right. You know, we we're just extending <laughs> it here to, to the podcast,
0: you know, streets over here.
2: Yes, sir. <laughs> so what,
0: uh, okay. Give us an overview of where the Titans are heading into the start of the season. We know they lost Harold Landry, a big blow for them. Derrick Henry, obviously a lot healthier this year now than he was, uh, you know, late last year. So those are the two things that from a distance stand out, fill in the gaps for us here.
2: Yeah, well, you also had the loss of A.J. Brown. That's something that just kind of like flies under the radar now that that Harold Landry had the torn ACL and is out for Most of the year, if not the year itself, how are you going to replace that? We're talking about a 23% target share just out the window. And I think that's the big story for the Titans and and trailing Burks. And you look at Kyle Phillips, their two draft picks and signing Austin Hooper. Those are the things that they have to uh, take advantage of. And there's a lot of newness because they made the trade to bring in Robert Woods as well. So there's so many new options there for Ryan Tannehill. They have to get on the same page.
0: Okay, so you mentioned they have to fill that void for J. Brown. Robert Woods Absolutely. is coming off a a serious serious knee injury, right? And right. Traylon Burks is a rookie. What are we? What should we kind of expect from those two guys? Like, who's who's the primary target at this point? What's Burks's role going to be uh, in Week One?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, Robert Woods is still well. First, let me say this: just him being back for OTAs. Mm -hmm. after tearing the ACL in November, like that was remarkable. So he's still on, he's on course. He's going to play. I mean, he's taking part in everything, but you just have to wonder where he is as far as being able to plant and cut and be the same razor sharp route runner that he was before. So I would imagine if he could be that same guy as he was before, he would be the primary one. We're talking about a guy who averaged, over a hundred targets for three straight years before But he it got sounds like you have year. some
0: doubts that that's going to be the case right that yeah, here. early yeah, in the season. I mean,
2: look, modern technology is what it is, but you know, you're just not going to come off of an ACL and be the same player. And, and look at Saquon over
0: here, you know, the other end of the spectrum, he yeah. struggled that he admitted, he didn't have confidence in his knee early last year and most of last year. And that was, yeah. and, and remember he suffered his ACL in week two. Right. So he had the whole <laughs> season basically to recover. And it's still yeah. like, you know, he's, he's looking to come back in year two of come off the ACL and, and be good. So yeah, I to- totally get that. And and then the trailing Burks.
2: Yeah. So with trailing Burks, it, it's really just a matter of getting comfortable and, and settling in. He had some issues initially with uh, asthma and, and just, conditioning and he's worked through that but then you had an in a wrist injury in the final preseason game he was dealing with something with his left leg so things are just kind of like creeping up with this guy as a young player that's not something that you know should be but one given opportunity he he's a playmaker and he averaged what 9.5 yards a- after the catch in in college obviously it's going to be different in college than the league but I, when you look at a, a team like the Giants, with with their zero blitz and overloads and all of those type of things, you get the guy a guy like Burks the football quickly, mm-hmm. makes one guy miss, and then it's a it's a foot race to the end zone. So that's one of the ways the Titans could create some explosive plays. Is
0: he going to be starting basically, or is he kind of like just a rotational guy? You think to start?
2: It's it's rotation right now. If they go eleven personnel, it's Robert Woods, Nick Westbrook, Akina, and Kyle Phillips, who's a fifth-round pick out of right. UCLA. He was teammates with Darnay Holmes, by the way. I talked to him about that. He said he's looking forward to that matchup. But uh, that's the that's the the look right now. But then um, Burks will be rotated in.
0: Right. Uh, and then what about the defensive side? Where do they stand? Uh, how do they fill that void left by Harold Landry initially, at
2: least? Well, I'll tell you what. One of the things with Harold Landry that – you know, is so big is the way he, he was a closer, right? Like he was he was Edwin Santana, you know what I mean? He'll right. come in and he'll get the sacks. Uh, seven of his 12 sacks came on, on third downs, and that's courtesy of our ESPN Stats and Info. You know, you talk about pressures, he had, what, 49 pressures over the last few years. Make no mistake about it, that's something that they have to figure out how to, you know, collectively replace. I think Bud Dupree, being a, another year removed from the ACL that he had and actually getting to work on football as opposed to rehab this offseason, that's going to help. Danico Autry is a guy, the last time he played the Giants, he had a pretty good, I think it was like two sacks against them a few years ago with the Colts. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you have him playing the outside linebacker position and you have second-year player Rashad Weaver getting uh, in there as well. So that's really how they're going to have to do it. But the one disadvantage, and I, I'm i not going to overlook Jeffrey Simmons in the middle of that, that defensive line, but the one disadvantage is before with that front, you could use those front four and get almost guaranteed pressure. So mm-hmm. you didn't have to blitz. So, you know, you rush four, you drop seven in coverage, your pass coverage is that much better. So I, I think that's really going to be a major area of concern. For the Titans and they'll have to prove it against Kadarius, Tony, Wandell Robinson, and Kenny Galladay and those guys.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was that that's where I was going next. Like, that's still like the maybe the biggest one of the biggest concerns with this team is that secondary that they've been trying the last few years to fix up.
2: I you know, I, I don't know that it's a concern because Christian Fulton has become a very reliable corner. Kevin Byard, in my opinion, is the best safety in football. And Amani Hooker is a really good up-and-coming player. Um, it's just the left side. You got a rookie Roger McCreary out of Auburn and second-year player Caleb Farley. He only played three games last year. I, okay. I think that's where the the question mark is going to be. Um, how are they going to be able to, to make that happen? And Elijah Molden has missed a couple practices already. So uh, that's their primary nickel guy. So they could end up having... Barley at right corner and McQuarrie at, at, at nickel. And I think going back to what I said about manufacturing pressure and blitzing guys, in my opinion, Molden is a better blitzer than McQuarrie. So now you're you're kind of giving a little bit up.
0: So it's going to be a, a matchup of two teams just thrown at the CB2 all day, every day. Yeah. Could that's, be that's, the case. That's what it sounds yeah. like here. Which is it surprising to you? Because I'm wondering what what do they think about Adoree Jackson over there being the Giants' number one cornerback right now?
2: Well, Adoree was so his, talent wise, he was always well liked. But I I know that there's some there's more to be desired that was left to be desired from him. Uh, I I know like when he had the injury, uh, they thought he could have came back later. It didn't happen. He ended up spending I think it was like eight weeks out. Um, it, it was, you know, a good he thought they basically
0: mishandled his injury and they were like, come on, let's go. Let's play. And yeah. He, he thought he was hurt. That that's my interpretation of the story. And what I've gotten from it.
2: Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. They thought he could, could get back earlier and he, you know, it was a different case with him with whatever was going on with that knee.
0: Yeah. And ironically, he's, he's played very well with the giants so far, uh, missed some time. I mean, that's sort of like, I guess his MO, but, uh, when he's on the field, dude, he's, he's looked really good and played really well. And he's he, had a, really good, he had a good summer.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I was watching, you know, I was seeing your reports and other reports coming out of there. I mean, he was picking off Daniel Jones a few times. So I definitely, you know, like to see a Dory Jackson doing this thing. That's for sure.
0: Yeah. Talented guy. So it'll be interesting. Well, uh, we, the, the Titans are big favorites in this game. Do do you get that sense that they realize that they think that that the fans think that or that this is this is an easy game? This is the Giants or what's the uh, what's the feeling on uh, you know the Giants coming in? I mean, this is the team with the worst record, tied with the Jets over the last five years of any team in the NFL. Uh, I I can't imagine they're coming in and and everyone's you know scared and shaking in their boots.
2: Yeah, you know the fans. I will say they're. very very confident but <laughs> the players the coach, like they understand like this is an nfl team those guys get paid too and one thing yeah. about the league and you know this from covering it so long you can't oh over, you overlook somebody you won't get punched upside your face <laughs> you know what i mean so Absolutely. Uh, i don't think uh I actually i know the the titans aren't coming into this game overconfident and they're not uh you know overlooking because you got the matchup next week with the Bills on Monday Night Football, but they're focusing on this week at hand.
0: Teron Davenport filling us in on everything we need to know about the Tennessee Titans. It'll be fun, Teron. See you in a few days.
2: Yes, sir. I'll see you soon.
0: Teron Davenport there helping us break down the Tennessee Titans. Of course, the number one objective when you play Tennessee, though, is always stop the king. Limit the king. And by the king, I'm talking about Derrick Henry, which I think might be troubling. I bold predicted for uh, on the ESPN website that Derrick Henry would rush for 150 yards plus, which he did in two of his first four games last year when he was healthy. And he's healthy now, facing a Giants defense that, quite frankly, didn't really do that much to upgrade in the offseason, right? They were 25th against the run last year. They didn't really replace... Blake Martinez, who was out last year, they thought they were getting him back. That didn't work out, right? And then trust me, the Giants wanted to have Blake Martinez there. They wanted him to be their starting middle linebacker as recently as last week. But the situation had reached a point, reached a sort of breaking point where both sides said, look, I think we need to move on here. It's just not going to, it's just going to be a bad situation For, for both sides. You know, Blake Martinez playing two downs, essentially being phased out, knows it. His uh, contract—he's on the last year of his contract. He took a pay cut. All of that. So now you're doing that, and you're going against Derrick Henry. You know, no, no real middle linebacker, at least experienced middle linebacker, who they planned to start as of two weeks ago. Not a lot of defensive additions, right? They didn't spend a lot of money. Who they had up front? They have Leonard Williams. They have Dexter Lawrence. What Jelly Ellis? I don't think that's going to be a a huge difference maker. So might be a little trouble stopping Derrick Henry. With that being said, it's time for your favorite portion of this podcast where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions with Giants After Dark. All right. We'll go to Nick Rose, who started uh, on Instagram, who actually reached out on Instagram and he said, How do you think the linebacker situation shakes out after Martinez's departure? Now, I mentioned this already, and I just talked about this a little bit. But I think eventually you'll probably see Micah McFadden start. But to begin the season, I think you're going to see the more experienced guy probably get a little bit more of the snaps, and that's Austin Kalitra. And then we'll see who else maybe, you know, Carter Coughlin fills in at times in, in specific packages. But Tay Crowder is the three-down linebacker. That's the way this was going to play out anyway. Even when Blake Martinez was here, Tay Crowder was going to be the three-down linebacker. And I think that was one of the pointed contentions, is that Blake Martinez wasn't really going to get the opportunity, didn't really get the opportunity this summer, to show that he's the player that he's been throughout his career. And so that's why we are where we are with Micah McFadden and Austin Kalitro. Think about that for a second. Austin Calitro and Micah McFadden as your starting middle linebackers. Next to Tay Crowder, who's like an average player, you know, turned out really well as a Mr. Irrelevant last pick of the draft. Yeah, that's a great pick. But, I mean, probably a below average starter. So, that's rough. And then week one, hey, hey, guys, here you go. Derrick Henry. My man Hitesh on... Twitter says, this question number two, by the way. How many Giants players will make the Pro Bowl? Who do you see making it? I'm going to say two. Uh, Xavier McKinney, I think, could be a Pro Bowl player. He's a really good player, a rising player in this league. So I think McKinney will end up you know, making a Pro Bowl. And then Saquon or Andrew Thomas, which one of them can stay healthy? So I'll say two, which is an upgrade they had zero last year. Uh so Saquon or Andrew Thomas and Xavier McKinney make the pro bowl. Leonard Williams quite frankly has proven over time that he's a good player, not a pro bowler, consistent. I think he's made one pro bowl in his career. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, tough to make the Pro Bowl when you don't get sacks, so I don't think they see any there. Uh, Dory Jackson's maybe their best cornerback. I mean, on the list of cornerbacks in the NFL, he's not anywhere near the top five or ten, so making the Pro Bowl for him would be really tough. Uh, offensive side, offensive line, I mean, Evan Neal, that's, he's not making the Pro Bowl as a rookie. You know, he's going to have his ups and downs, his struggles at time. If he's an average right tackle, that's a good rookie year. Kayvon Thibodeau, same thing. Uh, you know, seven, eight sacks. That's a pretty good rookie year. He's starting with an injury. Pro is going to be really tough for him. So, at Ed Kos- uh, at Kossoff Ed, asked me. This, this was great. I just had to, just to, see, to show you guys sometimes the crazy stuff I get, I just decided to pick this one. Timing cap and other variables aside, what do you say about trading Daniel Jones and Saquon for, get this, wait for this, ready? Are you ready? Lamar Jackson, yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody suggested Saquon and Daniel Jones for Lamar Jackson. As if I, I don't know if this was sarcasm, tongue in cheek, or just plain ignorance. But these things exist, like as if the Baltimore Ravens would want Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley on the land. Like anybody in the league would want Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley on the end of the, on the end of their deal. I would know with no with nothing left in the deal. Now, you want to rent that you know one or two of those guys? That's fine. But then for Lamar Jackson, I mean he's their future franchise quarterback. I'm really hoping that was tongue in cheek and that was sarcasm. Uh question number four, Tyrese Helmet says it's from Twitter it says do you see any real possibility of an in-season trade of Saquon if he's healthy but the Giants are out of it by the trade deadline seems like he could be their one real trade trip to gain draft assets yeah so i do think that's a possibility now here's what you have to weigh against it ultimately if he signs with another team there's a possibility possibility not definite because it depends on who you then go out and sign and i do think the Giants will make some moves in uh free agency next offseason, they will make some bigger moves because they'll have a lot of money. So I think you know they they could get a third-round compensatory pick for Saquon. If he goes to another team and they don't sign a lot of guys, but that's unlikely. Because they're going to go out and they're going to be players in free agency next year. Not huge players, but, you know, two or three guys, significant guys. I think that's realistic. Like that's kind of what Joe Shane said. Build through the draft, add some You know, good players, a few players here and there each year through free agency. But the difference is, if you trade Saquon, that draft capital then goes into next year's draft. So the 2023 draft, when you might need the draft capital to draft a quarterback. Whereas if they wait and see what they get on the compensatory side, that would be for the following year in 2024. So to me, it does make sense if the Giants are out of it, Saquon's healthy and playing well a team wants him for the stretch run, you trade him for a fourth or fifth round pick in 2023, it's better than waiting to see what you get for 2024. And it's not even anywhere close to a guarantee that it's going to be a third round pick in 2024. So, bottom line, I can see it happening. Question number five, at Brian Bleeds Blue, did Wondell, Wondell Robinson, underperform in the preseason? Do you think they were holding him back from the league, seeing how they want to use him? Why would they hold him back? You have a rookie. I, I I don't understand this concept. This has been going around. Why are they going to hold? Brian Dabo's big into wanting to play your guys and have his guys play and gain experience and do stuff in the preseason. So the Giants are going to hold back their second round pick? Like this guy's going to blow up the league? Like nobody knows that he's good? Like the Giants might cut him? Like he was a second round pick. No, they didn't hold him back. He just started strong. And this is the NFL. And he slowed down as the summer went along. He got banged up a little bit as well at one point. So, yeah, the idea that Wandale Robinson is like Odell Beckham just seems silly. Oh, yeah, and, and and oh, we're gonna hold him back. We're, we're we we do not want to show the league what he could do. They all scouted the guy. They know what he could do. So no, they did not hold Wandale Robinson back. I think he could do some things. I, but he's also not going to get in, you know thousand yards. I, I'd be really, really surprised if Vondell Robinson does that in his rookie season. And if he does, it'll be an Evan Ingram situation where his stats were overinflated because everyone else was injured and they had no one else to throw to, so they had to throw to Evan Ingram. And everyone thought, including myself, was tricked into it that he was a better player than he actually was. Isaac Medina, Medina R ten says. Based on preseason numbers, and I know that is preseason, but do you think the offense will be functional, like top fifteen? I think that's reasonable, actually, for them to be around the top fifteen offense. And you say, "Oh, top fifteen, big deal." First of all, top sixteen is probably better number because it's the midway point, exactly. But yeah, you're like, "Oh, big deal." So they're average. Yeah, but they stunk last year. They stunk the year before. They averaged fifteen point two points per game last year. That's brutal. That's embarrassing. That's pathetic in today's NFL. So to be functional, functional. It's a big deal. And I think what we saw from Brian Dable, at least even though it was the preseason, he's able to scheme it up and he's able to do enough offensively to be able to move the ball. Now, will it be pretty at times? No. Will it be consistent? No. They still have a lot of holes. The interior of the offensive line. The uh, tight end position. Just brutal. I can't think of a worse I, of a worse position group I've ever seen than the Giants' tight end position. Really. I, I, just, I haven't. So... Will it be consistent? Probably not. It'll probably be up and down, stop and start. But I do think they will score more points. They'll be more fun to watch. And that's really what you want to see. You want to see, all right, we want to see an offense that goes up and down. If, if, If Daniel Jones lights it up, that's a huge bonus, even better. Then they don't have to get their quarterback next year if they're somehow sold on Daniel Jones that he's the guy and he has a great year. Great. They don't have to use all these assets to get a quarterback now. But then the fact that you know you have the right people in place, that you're going to be able to have a successful offense as long as Brian Dable's there and Mike Kafka's there helping him out and running the offensive calling plays, that with those two running the offensive side, you're headed in the right direction. That basically makes it, my voice is cracked, a successful first season. Question number eight. I, you, yeah, I don't know. Paul Rudd, let's just call him. That's just on Twitter. Do you think Shane and Dable have already moved on from Jones, or is he going to get a fair shot? I just said that. I think he's going to get a fair shot. I mean, that's why he's starting. He's going to get a full opportunity. That's why Saquon's here. They didn't want to leave him with nothing. Paying Tyrod Taylor that much money, guaranteed money, makes me think the decision is made. What's the vibe in the building? Well, I see, I'll argue this. Where? What do you? What's this guaranteed money? Five and a half million dollars? For a backup, for a quarterback, quarterbacks are making 40 plus million. High end starting quarterbacks are making 40 plus million dollars. Five and a half million dollars is a ton of guaranteed money next year for Tyrod Taylor. I would actually say that considering the cap is going to go up, that is below average for a high end backup salary next year. Five and a half million dollars. So I don't think. I, I don't think it's big money. I don't know. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of money this year only because the Giants didn't have any money to spend. So it was a significant chunk of their available money. But next year when they have like almost $100 million by the time they're all said and done, that's probably what it's going to be. You know, what's $5.5 million for a backup quarterback? That's good insurance. Whether it's Daniel Jones, who has an injury history, or a rookie who you're going to need a veteran. So $5.5 million Don't view it as a lot of money. Uh, Christopher Steppen, Steppen CHR says, it's question nine. What's Joe Shane's big goal during this season? He basically admitted this year is not about winning in the last presser. Well, it's about moving in the right direction, right? I mean, that's what it's about here. It's about getting the roster in shape. Look, he had to, he he knows this roster is not good enough. It's an evaluation year. Think about it. That's his goal. Evaluate who does he want to keep? Who are they going to move forward with and invest in long term as they build up this roster, which they know at this point needs a lot of work? Look at all the roster moves they made already. You know, there's gonna be six or seven guys that weren't here this summer on the 53 man roster, basically by the time we're all said and done. So evaluate this year. See if you maybe hit get lucky and hit on the quarterback. See if you want Saquon Barkley to return. He's the face of the team what the right price would be. See what you have in Kenny Galladay, who basically would need to blow up and have a ridiculously huge season to be back next year. See what you have in Candarius Toney, if you can trust him. If he's somebody you want to move forward with. Sterling Shepard. Even if Dory Jackson's getting his contract, you can get out of it. Leonard Williams is a contract I still think the Giants might need to get out of. If he's just an okay good player. A good player is going to count with $30 million against the cap. It's going to count more against the captain, like Aaron Donald. So these are all decisions the Giants are going to have to make. Who do they want to move forward with? You know, is Shane Lemieux the answer at left guard? He's still on crutches. I don't know even when he's going to play, if he's going to play. You know, is what do they we think of John? Like, do they have a gu- another guard? Do they have a guard like Mark Lewinsky? Right, he's going to play right guard. Do they have a left guard? What you know, is John Feliciano want someone they want to move forward with at center? These guys are all either free agents or the Giants could get out of their contracts. So number one goal, evaluate this year. Figure out the quarterback position. That's, I think, his big goal during the season. Uh, question number 10. Final question. Uh, Hempstead Peter says, Jordan, we didn't see too many wild offensive schemes during the preseason. How often do you think Kafka will utilize gadget trick plays when the season starts? I think you're going to see. I don't know about gadget trick plays. I don't think that's the right word, but you're going to see innovative offense. A lot of movement. You're going to see end arounds. You're going to see Kadarius Tony, Wondell Robinson in the backfield. You're going to see them running the football. You might see both of them in the backfield at the same time. You might see one of them in the backfield with Saquon Barkley. You're going to see them moving around. You're going to see a lot of bunch, you know, formations, multiple slot receivers. Quick screens, different screens. Get the ball in these playmakers' hands. Not necessarily, uh, you know, throw back across the field from Daniel Jones to Saquon Barkley, have him throw it back to the other side between his legs. Like, you know, I don't think it's going to be crazy trick plays, but jet sweeps, end the rounds, running backs moving, getting the ball in different, you know, out of the backfield. I mean, wide receivers, like, Getting the ball out of the backfield. Saquon Barkley being used in different spots. Moving around. That's what I think we didn't see a lot of in the preseason that you're going to see more of come the regular season. So at least something to be excited about offensively. And I think it'll be interesting. There'll be times where they're going to be able to score points, which will be a different feel watching the games. right? Because when the Giants fell behind in the last couple of years, if it was 10-0, you're like, oh, this game's over. Like They can't score. They're not going to be able to score enough to win. They basically have to shut out the other team. For the rest of the game in order to win. Because you're averaging 15 points a game. They weren't going to score 30. I got to look it up. I don't even know the last time they did score 30. But it hasn't been very often in the last three, four years. I'll tell you that much. Especially since Pat Shermer left. The Joe Judge era did not have many, if any, 30-point games at all. Maybe one, I think, which is terrible. But this year, the offense is going to be more fun to watch. Will it Will lead to a lot more wins? I don't think so. But let's get to this week in particular in the next segment. On to the next one.
1: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza, better because it has to be.
0: All right, this is a long let the games begin episode, so I'll make this real quick. I'll give you a quick Jordan on the beat. And then my prediction for Titans, Titan, Well, I said that so weird? Titans, Titans. Giants. Okay. First, let me tell you, it's week one. It's still early in the season. There's usually a point every season that I'm just like, you know, running around, running ragged, and uh I drive the wrong way on the parkway, again get on a parkway, I go south or north or whatever. Or I uh can't find my car in the, in the airport parking lot. Like that's the way the season goes. It's a grind, you're running back and forth, you're busy, and eventually I'm just, you know, I'm a zombie. Now this year. It took till the preseason for me to start driving the wrong way. Like, I was, I was out, it was probably, like, last week. And where I live in Monmouth County, like, I'm on Route 9. And I get on Route 9, like, after getting gas, and I start going back home when I'm really going to the Giants to practice. So I start going in the wrong direction. I'm going south instead of going north all of a sudden. Mind you, this is basically still preseason. So I don't know what that says about this season, but... Preseason, I'm already driving in the wrong direction, which is a little bit scary. I got to get together. Got to get my act together. Can't be going the wrong way before the season even starts. Giants aren't buried yet. It's week one, 17 week season, 18 week season, actually. 17 games, 18 weeks. First trip, Nashville this weekend. That was your quick Jordan on the beat. That's where I explain what it's like to be a beat writer for the, you know, for the covering the Giants, working for ESPN, covering the NFL in general. As for my prediction, I do not like the Giants in the opener here. I actually like them to score some points. I'm going to give them 24 points. But I'm also going to give Tennessee 31 points. Like I think Daniel Jones will be able to throw the ball. They'll have some success. They'll be able to scheme up some stuff. Everybody's healthy on offense. The only missing piece on offense right now is Shane Lemieux. And do we even know Shane Lemieux is a a good starting guard? No, we don't. So, like, no excuses right now. Like, this is, this is their group. There's some skill position talent to work with. Granted, they're never usually on the field. They're always banged up. They're always injured. You know, I don't know how good Kenny Galladay is at this point. I worry about Kadarius Tony and trusting him. But they're all healthy this week. Those questions, are, I mean, they should all be able to produce this week. So, Saquon Barkley, the healthiest I've seen him in years entering this season. Years, right? Literally, the beginning of the 2019 season. Three years ago. Three calendar years. The healthiest we've seen them, so they're going to score some points. Brian Dable is going to be able to scheme them some things up, but without their edge rushers, with a defense that has holes in other spots, middle linebacker who's playing CB two, Aaron Robinson. I mean, if you're the other, if you're Mike Vrabel and staff in Tennessee, I mean, just throw the ball at him, play action, throw it. I mean, he was getting torn apart by what's his name, Tyron Thornton. I think I botched his name, but Patriots backup receiver. Yeah, so. If I'm Tennessee, I think I could do really well against this defense. Now, I know Wink Martindale, he's going to blitz. He's going to bring pressure from all over the place. But when you don't have the horses, look what happened to Wink Martindale last year in in Baltimore. And without Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojalari, which I think is the likelihood, and even if they play, they're obviously not 100%. Without those guys, having cut Blake Martinez 10 days before the start of the season, now filling in. A middle linebacker, either a journeyman or a rookie, having no CB2. God, this could be a tough one on the road against a, a veteran, experienced Titans team. So Tennessee 31, Giants 24, which, to be quite honest, should be an entertaining game if it turns out this way. Something that Giant fans, I don't think, will have a big complaint about. So that's actually the Titans in the over in this game. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Ronan. As always, like, Subscribe, tell your friends. You can reach out to me, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, email. You know how to find me. I'm Jordan Ronan. Listen to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time.